Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening and welcome to Deliverance by Grace Ministries. I am the senior pastor here at Deliverance by Grace. My name is Fabian and... This evening, we will be continuing in our sermon series about prayer. Tonight, we will be finishing up our sermon series by talking about the persistence of prayer, the practice of prayer, and to close out, reasons why we should pray. So, to begin, as we like to do, is we want to obviously go to the Lord in prayer and ask that He would speak to our hearts as we Receive the message that he has for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've bestowed upon us. We thank you for giving us your promise that through your Son we could be born again. We ask, Lord, that you would take the words spoken here tonight and plant them onto our hearts so that we may learn from your word learn from your wisdom. We pray, Lord, that you would, if there's anybody out there having struggles and stress and strife, that you would speak to their heart and use prayer as the weapon to lift their burdens away. If there's anybody out there that doesn't know the sound of your voice, may these words speak to their heart so that they may open to let you in. If there's anybody out there that is hurting because they're sick or infirm, we pray, Lord, that these words and the prayers would heal them. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So when we left off last week, we were talking about the principles of prayer. We talked about that we must pray in faith. We must pray with humility. We must pray in harmony with the will of God. We must pray with thanksgiving, and we must pray in the name of Jesus. Now, there is another principle of prayer that's worthy of consideration And that is, we must pray with persistence. Persistence of prayer was very important to Jesus. The importance of the persistence of prayer can be gleaned from the attention given to it in the scriptures. So, our first section, we're going to talk about the teachings of the persistence of prayer. The first teaching would be the parable of the persistent friend was told with a request for teaching on prayer in Luke 11.1, where people didn't know how to pray or how to properly pray, that was following the instruction given for a model of prayer in Luke 11.2-4. The parable itself was designed to be easy to understand, to be point blank, to be straightforward. This is how you pray. This is what you ask for. This is what you get. Followed with emphasis on being persistent in asking, seeking, and knocking. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and you shall enter. Luke 11, 9, and 10. Persistence is connected 
with learning how to pray. A lot of us, we don't know how to pray, but we're going to talk about how to pray. The second parable is the persistence of the persistent widow. She was told that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, Luke 18 and 1. It illustrates the value of persistent requests, Luke 18, 2-5. Adding that God will certainly heed his chosen who cry out day and night. Now, there are those out there that they want to talk about how they pray and God doesn't listen. Or how they pray and God hasn't answered their prayers. How they pray and they just don't feel like they're getting through. Is your persistence related to faith in God acting? So in Luke 18, and and I'm just going to read... I'm going to read a good chunk of it because I think this is important all the way through. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own select, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth. Now, this other one we covered last week, but I I also think that it's important to talk about sincerity of prayer along with our persistence. So I'm going to read the second section. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised other. For two men went into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not, as these other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week, I give tithes to all that I possess, and the publican standing far off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. The teaching of Paul tells us to continue steadfastly in prayer, Romans 12, 12. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. There's that word supplication. Remember the first series where we talked about acts the S being supplication, in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Ephesians 6.18 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2 
This one is probably the most important one, and you've heard it throughout the various sections of this series, but pray without ceasing. Persistent prayer must be very important to be stressed always, yet we find more than simply teaching on persistence. We find examples of persistent prayer, starting with probably the most important one, and that is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. For those of you that remember the story, Jesus goes and he's praying earnestly and weeping, and he tells the disciples, stay watch. He was deeply distressed over his impending suffering in Matthew 26. And while his closest disciples slept, he prayed not once, not twice, but three times. During this prayer, he received necessary help to face what lay ahead. He was strengthened by an angel, Luke 22:41-44. He was heard by God, though his actual request was not answered. Hebrews 5.7 If the Son of God needed persistence in prayer, do we not especially need persistence? Do we not need the faith to be persistent? Paul and his thorn in the flesh. That'll be section B under uh, examples of persistent prayer. Paul endured the infirmity of persecution. He prayed three times that it might be removed. It wasn't. The Lord provided what he needed. He provided sufficient grace and strength of Christ to endure. He enabled him to take pleasure in his infirmities. If the apostle of Christ needed persistence in prayer, when he was facing things much greater than what you and I face, Should we not be persistent? The the next section, the the next section is the prayers of the early Christians. Those that helped write the Bible and those that laid the foundation for the Bible that we read and, and enjoy and study today, they had Christ and Christ laid out a bit of a road map, but they were kind of the trial and error, the guinea pigs, as it were, of perfecting the system. So if you look at the church in Jerusalem, they continued steadfastly in prayer in Acts 2. When Peter was in prison, constant prayer was offered for him so that God may intercede. He didn't, but the prayer was offered earnestly and steadfastly. In Euphorus, labored fervently in prayer for his brethren in Coloss. Widows were assumed to be devoted to prayer. They were commanded to be devoted to prayer, like Anna in Luke 2. If the early church needed persistence in prayer, would today's church or today's body of church need persistence? With such examples and teachings on persistence in prayer, the importance of persistence cannot be overstated, cannot be overemphasized. Because if you're a fair-weather prayer person, will your prayers be answered? If you pray only when trouble happens, will your prayer be answered? Persistence in prayer isn't always trouble coming. 
Persistence in prayer is remembering acts. Persistence in prayer does not ensure God's answers that we may desire. Jesus still had to drink the cup of suffering by going to the cross. Paul still had to bear his thorn in the flesh by enduring persecution for Christ. Yet persistence in prayer is the key to receiving the answers that we need, not necessarily the answers that we want. Grace and mercy to help in time of need, strength to endure whatever it is we might face. And so, through persistence in prayer, let us ask, seek, knock, until God provides the answer to our prayers, giving whatever His graciousness determines we really, really need. Now, as we've studied prayer, we have studied the purpose of prayer the power of prayer, the privilege of prayer, the principles of prayer, and the persistence of prayer. And so now it is time that we put all of those things together and we go to the practice of prayer. Now, hopefully throughout the weeks as we've went over this, each person has walked away with the desire to pray more fervently, with more consistency, to benefit from all that prayer has to offer. Again, it's not always about getting what we want, but getting what we need. And sometimes it's about praying just to be thankful, to say thank you for my time on earth and thank you for allowing me to be a vessel, to be a witness into the kingdom. To encourage us even more to pray, let's look a little closer at the practice of prayer. And as I was putting this together and studying this, these four things popped out at me, and I wanted to share them with you. How should we pray? When should we pray? With whom should we pray? And for what or whom should we pray for? Even if you have been praying since day one, it never hurts to say, Lord, teach us to pray. I know ministers to this day that at least publicly, yeah, they could learn to listen to this series. So we'll deal with the first question first and how to pray. The model prayer. Jesus asked his disciples how to pray in Luke 11.1. They had just witnessed Jesus praying. They knew that John the Baptist had taught his disciples to pray. While they had prayed as Jews, they recognized the need to learn more. And in response, Jesus offered a model, a guide for learning how to pray. It's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And its, enti- it's entirety is found in Matthew 6, and it begins with verse 9. For those of you that think I've lost my track, I haven't. Although my eyes are getting old these days, and so I have to get my spectacles out to be able to see. 
And if any of y'all want to laugh, feel free. Just remember it will happen to you someday. Okay, so when you pray, enter into your closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you asking. And after this manner, therefore, you should pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now, I don't know about everybody out there, but if Jesus gives us a model to pray by, I'm pretty sure we should start a praying and using that model. It was indeed to set to serve as a model. The Lord's Prayer serves as an example of how to pray, not a liturgical exercise. I think that was interesting. Not a liturgical exercise. The proper prayer. Address God the Father, our Father in heaven. Expresses reverence towards God. Hallowed be thy name. Includes supplication for such things as God's purpose. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our physical needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Our spiritual needs. And forgive us our debts. The spiritual needs of others as we forgive our debtors. Guidance and help in our struggle against sin and Satan. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And it praises God, and it praises his abilities. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In teaching on prayer, Jesus made it a point to express the importance of simplicity in praying. I know there are people here, and, and I am one of them, that have attended a function within the church where the prayer droned on and on and on and you're got your head bowed and your eyes closed, not looking around and you're thinking, Okay. Prayers went on and on and on. Keep it simple, stupid. Simplicity in prayers. Always forgive others and always be persistent in your prayer. I challenge everyone to memorize the Lord's Prayer and let it be a reminder of how to pray, how to pray, how to pray. Lord, I'm losing my mind. Another common concern in the practice of prayer is when to pray. So if you're taking notes, section two, when to pray. Always have scheduled prayers. 
Having set times to pray can help develop a habit of prayer. The boss lady and myself, we pray at night as a collective couple of a morning. She does her devotion. I do my devotion. Consider the practice of two great men of God. David, whom God described as a man after my own heart, and Daniel, who the angel of God describes as, O man greatly loved, Daniel 6.10. They made it a habit to pray at set times during the day. Wouldn't hurt to imitate them. Praying three times daily, morning, noon, and evening. At the very least, make time each day to spend time in your prayer closet. And contrary to what some may say, a prayer closet can be figurative or literal. Just remember that what you pray for in secret shall be given to you openly. Spontaneous prayers. Prayers should not be limited to set time. Jesus spent all night in prayer before selecting his apostles, as we find out in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Paul and Silas prayed when faced with trying circumstances. Nehemiah prayed silently on the spur of the moment, Nehemiah 2.4. The Israelites prayed to God in the heart of battle. We should pray whenever and however the situation or occasion calls for it, and I'll give you an example. There's many, many times that I'm driving down the road and I may be in Nashville, Chicago, Washington, any places that I've been, and I'll get a sudden urge to utter a prayer and start singing an old gospel hymn. Okay, now, some of you have heard me sing, and, well, praise the Lord, the Lord likes it, is all I can say about that. But, I will feel the urge to sing a song or two say a prayer and as long as that urge hits me I continue to do both and I solemnly believe that during those times the prayer and the supplication through song is what protects me from the things going on around me protects me from being in an accident protects me from whatever the case may be I've done that before walking down the street feel a need to start singing and praising and praying. And I do. And obviously I make it to my destination unharmed, but what would happen if I didn't listen and pray spontaneously? Pray without ceasing. The goal of every Christian should be to pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5. Having scheduled times to pray will develop experience in prayer. Praying spontaneously will develop a disposition to pray in every circumstance. And when you combine them together, they can help us reach the goal of praying without ceasing. In regards to the practice of prayer, we should always consider how to pray, when to pray. And as we develop both experiences and dispositions to pray, we will consider with whom to pray and for what to pray. Now, we're going to talk about with whom to pray. Praying alone. Jesus encouraged the practice of praying in secret. 
that we read just a few minutes ago in Matthew 6. Private prayer cultivates our spiritual nature through regular exercise. By V.L. Crawford says that prayer is the spiritual gymnasium in which we exercise and practice godliness. Prayer is educative. The man who prays grows and the muscles of the soul swell from this whipcord of iron bands, Frederick Meyer. The opposite is also true. Seven days without prayer makes one week. Private prayer forms a close union and fellowship with our Heavenly Father because it is just Him and you. And the cares and the trials and the troubles of the days around, the attorney's offices, the bill collectors, all of it is to the wayside. Time spent together strengthens the bond of fellowship between you and God. Private prayer is a true test of your sincerity and devotion. You're not praying to please man because they cannot see you. You can't be trying to falsely impress God because he can see right through you. Private prayer will be rewarded openly, also stated in Matthew 6. The answers to our prayers will be seen by others, both here on earth and in the hereafter. Private prayer should be a priority in the practice of praying. Private prayer should be the priority in the practice of praying. Praying with others. Jesus spoke of praying with others in Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Where the request of two or three are gathered by our Father in heaven, or, or excuse me, are answered by our Father in heaven. For in their midst is Jesus himself who intercedes for them. Early Christians prayed together in times of trouble, in times of departure. Immediate blessings come when people pray together, for there is a sweetness of fellowship and a sense of strength. Praying with others should be done whenever possible. Part of when we gather in the church house to worship, we pray together. When we pray together with sincerity, we get fellowship. When we pray together with sincerity, where two or more shall gather in my name, so shall I be there also. For if they ask in my name, so shall it be granted. A sense of strength. In the Lord's Prayer, we find the sort of things that we should pray about. But elsewhere in the Scriptures, we find many things which we can pray as we consider for what should we pray. These are probably the most important things I'm going to tell you out of everything we have learned over the last several weeks. So please pay close attention. As revealed in Scripture, we should pray for ourselves, for physical daily needs, for personal growth in Christ, likeness and devotion to God. Now let me repeat that one. For physical daily needs, for some of us it's just to get out of the bed and deal with other people. For personal growth in Christ's likeness and devotion to God, Colossians 1, 9-12. We should pray for our families. 
We should pray for our spouse and our children, our parents, our siblings, for their nurturing and growth in the teaching of the Lord, according to Ephesians. The rest of these get a little harder. You should always pray for your community, for peace to prevail, Jeremiah 29.7. Pray for our church, and that doesn't mean the local Baptist church or Presbyterian church, the body of Christ, the church. Pray for the love and unity to prevail, John chapter 13 and 17, for the spiritual growth of each member of the church. For the gospel to have free course. That one's important when praying for the church. Pray that the gospel has free course. Pray for your nation. For national repentance and consciousness of who God is. Psalms 33.12, Proverbs 14.34. For leaders to rule wisely. 1 Timothy 2.2. 2. When those would come back at you about the president or even past presidents, I want you to t- quote Psalms 33.12, Proverbs 14.34, and 1 Timothy 2.2. 2. We are told to pray for non-believers. First and foremost, we are told to pray for their salvation in Romans 10.1. We are also to pray for those responsible for teaching them. And a lot of times, If you want to know who's responsible for teaching them, you'll find it in the mirror. Ephesians 6.18 We are to pray for the sick, for their restoration to health, James 5.14 For spiritual strength and peace of mind, James 5.16 Now, any one of us fall under the next category at any given time, the poor and the oppressed. We are to pray for the homeless, the fatherless, the motherless, the unborn children. Proverbs 29.7 We are to pray for those in other nations oppressed by their own rulers or outside influences. As you can tell by this list, there's a lot to pray for. And so, I thought it might be beneficial to give kind of a blueprint of using a prayer strategy. On Monday, pray for family, immediate and extended family members for physical and spiritual well-being. On Tuesdays, pray for your church, members of the local church, and for Christians and congregations throughout the world. On Wednesday, pray for your community, for community leaders, and for your neighbors. On Thursday, pray for your nation, pray for the elected officials, From the church house to the White House, pray for your elected leaders. Pray for efforts to bring peace and righteousness and God's will. On Fridays, pray for the world. Pray that God's peaceful hand would be over the world for nations that are closed to the gospel. On Saturday, pray for the afflicted, for the poor and the homeless and the jobless, for those in prison for those who are sick, for widows, single mothers, fatherless or motherless children. A simple prayer strategy, morning family, noon church, evening community, 
just to put it simply. Such strategies are simply suggestions to provide some direction in prayer, and I would recommend that you develop one that suits you. Keep a list or a journal for those that you are praying for. So as you get prayer requests from individuals, jot it down in your prayer journal. The important thing is to pray, and to do so always, in everything, earnestly, being vigilant without ceasing. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.12 And finally, we've talked about strategies for praying. We've talked about how to pray. We've talked about persistence of praying. So let us close out with talking about how God chooses to answer prayer. Because we've covered the purpose, the power, the privilege, the principles, the persistence, and the practice. So when all of those combine and culminate, what do we have? So we've got, when when God answers, we have four ways that they're answered. The first way, and, and the way that everybody's accept, excited about is request granted. God may answer yes. He often grants the petitions of those that ask. Psalms 118 and 138. And when we choose to put him first in our lives, he is more apt to answer, as we find out in Matthew 6 and Proverbs 3. For God to answer yes, we must ask according to his will. If I go out and say, Lord, I need a new Lamborghini, and I have faith that it's going to be in my driveway tomorrow, I may have all the faith in the world, but if it doesn't fit into his will or his timing, it's not going to be in the driveway. We must doing we must be doing his will in our lives for our prayers to be answered, first John. Bet a pin drop can drop I bet you can hear a pin drop now. For people want to pray and want to ask. But do they truly want to seek his will if it doesn't match their own? Naturally, we're excited when God grants our request, but occasionally we get requests granted, but <laughs> hurry up and wait. God may grant the request, but in time and according to his purpose, when his purpose comes around, Ecclesiastes 3. We, a lot of times, will mistake that as a no, especially in this instant gratification society and everything at the weight of our fingertips. We may think no, but God's saying yes, but wait. It's kind of like an infomercial. Okay, you, you've you sent in the request and you get to the point where you hear uh used to be Billy Mays go, but wait. That's the kind of prayer we got. We got an answer. It's a yes, but er, got to wait a minute. When the answer seems to be wait, we need to have a patience. We need to keep asking and seeking and knocking and being persistent. 
And we need to remember what God promised. If we ask, it shall be given. If we seek, we shall find. If we knock, it shall be opened. And he reminded us of that promise in 8.24 of Romans. The third way to get uh, get a prayer answered, and you know we don't necessarily like this, but request granted, but making some changes. God may answer yes to your prayer, but it's got some alterations to it. He answers differently in ways that we anticipate. His thoughts and methods are much different than our own, according to Isaiah. For example, asking God for strength and perseverance may be that he gives us more trials. In turn, those turn into the virtues that we ask for. If anybody has ever made the mistake of asking the good Lord for patience, you will know exactly what I am talking about. And brothers and sisters, I am here to tell you that this preacher will never again pray for patience. We do not need to limit what God's options are. We should be careful and not dictate to God how to answer our prayers. There are forces at work beyond what we can imagine. We do not always know what to pray for as we ought to. Limit the how, and we might limit the result when praying for the sick. For example, do we pray simply that God bless the use of natural means, doctors, medicines, etc.? If so, we might limit God as to how he might restore them in ways that we are unable to imagine. It may, is it not better to simply ask God to restore the sick and leave the method to him? Lord, Sister Tammy has an issue, a medical issue. We pray, Lord, that you would use your hand to heal her. Stop. That's what you need right there. Now we have not limited his ability to grant that request. As we pray, we must remember that God should be allowed the latitude to answer however he deems best. We need to trust God, and we should know that if it becomes apparent that the answer to the prayer is request denied, that's the one nobody wants, request denied, there's going to be those times, according to James 4.3. We must trust that God, who knows what is best, would do so only if granting our request might not be good for us. I have a good friend that is going through a situation right now and and she really, 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 really wants God to send her a husband and God just ain't sending the husband. And I've told her, it's because it's not what's best for you right now. It's because it's not in God's plan for you to be married. But she really, really, really desires a husband. And he keeps saying no. And he's saying no because maybe she does not fully understand. But does she trust him? God will provide the grace and mercy for people to do without if he denies your request. The Lord has heard your supplication and he will receive your prayer, Psalm 6, 9. 
In closing, remember that your two biggest weapons against Satan and the demonic world that does exist, that is out there, and that spends every waking hour of every day to find a way to separate you from the salvation that you have is prayer and the Holy Word. And when used together, those are the armor that you need to fight off anything that Satan may throw at you. Great or small, it devours them all. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of wisdom that you've given us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you that you sent your Son to die on the cross so that we may live an everlasting life. Pray, Lord, that you would take these words and plant them on our hearts. Help us to grow physically, spiritually, and mentally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to thank everybody for tuning in to Deliverance by Grace Ministries. We will be starting a new prayer series on next Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We invite you here to join us every Thursday. I know the last couple have been different, but we will be back on schedule next Thursday. On behalf of Deliverance by Grace Ministries, this is Fabian saying, have a good night, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.